strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Coming up out of the bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined in studio with uh, Matt Salmon, former congressman, gubernatorial candidate. We're going to ask him about all the dirt, and we'll see if he's going to spill. So uh, that's coming up 9:35. Um, let's start off this hour. We talked about the economy. We've been talking about the economy, and I think this is—I know this is the biggest issue for people: your ability to pay your bills, your ability to keep your head above water financially. Uh, I, I kind of went into detail with this yesterday, so I don't want to belabor it. But having been in a situation that was self-induced in in my life where I was in a bad place financially because of mistakes I made, it is still a horrible place to be. I can't imagine the frustration of being in a financial place that is a disadvantage and it's not your doing. If you're someone that is saying, and there are families that are doing this right now, we've always done the right thing. We manage our money. We live on a budget. We, we, We don't overspend. But because of the price of things, we're living paycheck to paycheck or worse. You've got got people that have been financially responsible setting money aside as best they can and now they're finding themselves putting gasoline or food on a credit card until payday it, 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 that is a that must be a frustrating place to be for me realizing when i was in a place where i didn't know if i would ever be able to pay my bills i realized it was my bad business decisions it was circumstantial i mean it was the economy that fell through the floor but i put myself in that vulnerable position it was a lesson i will never forget And that's a tough place to be. But if it's not self-induced, that's where it gets to be really, really tough. Um, Peloton, the uh, the fitness company, um, the I'm going to I'm going to read the first line just to tell you what rough shape Peloton is in. Peloton, the beleaguered at home gym equipment maker, is laying off another 500 employees in their latest effort to bolster its deteriorating finances. Now, again, some of these things are self-induced. And so it isn't all just the economy, but we are hearing that the job market is softening. The one bright spot in our economy that we have seen in the last year or so has been the job market. Unemployment has remained very low. Uh, People could get a side hustle if they wanted to. They could find a second job if necessary to keep their heads above water. Um, As inflation was increasing, the one bright spot was, and it was the one defense from the White House, is how can we be in a recession if we're still hiring people? It's It's a fair point, but all other indicators that we were in a recession. Well, now most people believe we are in a recession. And so what does that look like for the American job seeker? How many people have been a part of the great resignation since COVID happened, where there are people that are saying, I'm going to work from home. Boss is saying, no, you've got to return to work. And they say, well, I'm not. I resign. I'll go find a job somewhere else. When those jobs start to dry up, when your options start to dry up, when pay doesn't increase like it's been increasing, even though it hasn't kept up with inflation, we have been watching pay increases happen. That won't happen. If we go in the other direction, layoffs will happen of high dollar employees. And when it's time to replace them, they'll be replaced at a smaller amount of money or a lower amount of money. The construction world where I came from, it, it, this is how it worked. When I was, we were rolling from 05 to 07, almost to 08 when the, when the economy crashed the way it did, when the bubble burst in the real estate market. Um, it, it would literally, there were people make, making an hourly rage, skilled tradesmen and women that were on job sites. You could walk off a job at lunchtime, walk across the street to another construction site and go to work in the afternoon for more money. It was a it was a seller's market. If you had a skill to sell, you were really sought after. So 
the creativity of employers was not just a benefit package or more and more money, but they would do retention bonuses. Hey, we're going to give you $1,000. If you stay with us for three straight months and don't miss a day of work, you are going to get a $1,000 bonus check on your 90th day with us. And so that was an incentive to at least keep someone on the job that long to get their 1000 bucks. And so there were a lot of things. There have been a lot of those creative ways that people are doing things now. But when you look at companies laying people off, you're going to start seeing a slowdown in this. And here's another one that should scare people. Uh, the World Trade Organization see, sees a sharp slowdown in global trade pointing to possible recession. When you look at the world trade, it said the world trade is uh, in goods and projected is projected to slow sharply next year under the weight of high energy prices. So a couple of things that play into this in the worldwide market. The world looks at us. They look at China. They look at Europe. Um, you look at the drivers of major economies, and the U.S. is definitely one of them. When our economy begins to slow down, the rest of the world reacts, just like we react when China slows down. Well, the world is looking what's happening in Europe, especially in Europe, with what they're going to pay to heat homes this winter. What's happened with the Nord Stream pipeline, what's going on with their deal with trying to get Russian oil. They know that they are rationing or they may be rationing some of their fuel oil and and heatings of their homes. And people are going to pay huge amounts of money to be warm this winter. They're going to spend less money. The world's reacting. The World Trade Organization is saying next year, this is going to have an effect. So when we talk about policy, when I use that word so much, it's because the failed policies of administrations around the world are leading to a lot of this. And one of those failed policies is coming from this administration. And it's hard to argue otherwise. And as a matter of fact, the approval numbers for President Biden have gone up a little bit, but it isn't going up in when it comes to the economy. Because people look at it as a failed plan. Coming up uh, in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Supreme Court and gun laws. They have now dealt another blow to gun control. I'll give you an idea what that is coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. The Supreme Court of the United States on Monday did away with a Massachusetts gun law concentrated on individuals obtaining a firearm license, dealing a second blow to gun control. The reason why I lead with this, a couple of reasons, but I'm going to start with why I'm leading with that. Um, I want to compare it to a Phoenix story. Phoenix Operation Gun Crime Crackdown extended after nearly 1,200 firearms have been seized. Now, I want to ask you, you, if you are someone that believes, like all of us do, that we need to dramatically reduce the violent crime in our society, that we need to make sure that these shootings, these senseless shootings, aren't happening if we can prevent them. What do you think prevents shootings more? Going after someone that's trying to get a legitimate gun license in Massachusetts or the Phoenix Police Department seeking out people that are dealing in illegal firearms or selling firearms to people on the black market because they can't legally get one at a firearms dealer. I mean, just intellectually, which do you think is better? And I'm telling you, this program at the Phoenix Police Department is a huge success that's taking 1,200 firearms off the streets, not from legal gun owners, 
I am a legal gun owner. I'm not required to have a concealed carry permit in the state of Arizona. I can carry a concealed weapon without it. As long as I am a legal gun owner, I can conceal it if I want to. But I have a concealed carry permit. I've gone to some training. Not enough. I want to go to more. I want to be a responsible firearms owner. Prepared. I don't ever want to use it. All I ever want to do is go out and practice with it and clean it. I never want to face somebody with a gun. I've never brandished a firearm on a human being, and I never want to. But I'm a law, and I'm not unique. By the way, I want you to understand, there are a lot of people that think, that that's a unique opinion. I will tell you almost every single firearms owner I've ever met is safety first. They never want to brandish a weapon. They don't want to, you know, it's it's like, it's one of those things where people say, hey, can I see your gun? Well, you know, you don't ask a stranger that question. It's just one of those things. They're very protective and they make sure that they're safe. Just like drivers, there are maniacs out there that drive on the road. There are people that drink and drive. You don't go after legitimate. You don't go after someone that's driving the speed limit to try to get drunk drivers off the road. You look at people driving erratically. So this Phoenix operation specifically targets guns that have been modified illegally, uh, felons in possession of guns, and people that are selling guns to felons. And they've got 1,200 guns off the street of Phoenix, streets of Phoenix. That should tell people. What works and what doesn't? This idea in Massachusetts, New York has done some things like this. We know about Washington, D.C. and their laws. And what it does is it targets legitimate gun owners, legal gun owners. And you're never going to solve the problem that way. Here's a great headline. This is from the Daily Caller. The FBI undercounts good guys with guns who stop mass shootings. The FBI allegedly underreported how often armed citizens thwarted active shooter situations over the past eight years. This is from a new Crime Prevention Research Center. Data provided to them shows that 34.4% of active shootings were thwarted by a good guy with a gun between 2014 and 2021. The FBI, however, only listed 4.4% of active shootings as having been thwarted by an armed citizen during the same time frame. Now, no one should want to be a hero or a vigilante, and I certainly don't. Um, but I also don't want to be a sitting duck. I think the only thing that would be worse than having to shoot somebody was the need to do it and not the ability. If you have a family or people you love or just any innocent person, the biggest the biggest example of this, and it's my favorite example of this, is uh, – and I, I don't want to use his name because I don't think he wants the publicity for it, but I know him. I've met him on a number of occasions. There was a horrible situation in the West Valley where a guy was driving erratically. He killed his girlfriend and had a horrible car crash, and a DPS trooper showed up in the West Valley and um, – this guy shot – I believe he shot the trooper, but what ended up happening was the gun misfired or something, and he began to beat this trooper to death. And I don't want to paint a horrible picture, but he was going to beat this trooper to death on the freeway. And there was a citizen that was in this traffic jam because of what was going on that saw what was happening that was armed. And he got out of his car, and he shot the suspect and saved the trooper's life. We know that this has happened in southwest Florida where I grew up years ago. Same scenario, and it saved a deputy's life. And we have seen over and over again where um, an armed citizenry – an armed society is a polite society, they say. And someone with a gun has never scared me. A criminal with a gun scares me, but criminals without guns scare me. When you're a predator, you need to be kept at bay. 
And, you know, you think about, you know, young people and what they're doing with age restrictions and stuff. And I'm thinking it's it's about responsibility. I know people, my kids, my girls learned to shoot when they were teenagers, young teenagers. We would go out off of Table Mesa Road in the Northwest Valley into the desert and we would shoot. We taught them gun safety. And I will tell you very honestly, my ex-wife and my girls were a better shot than I am. I mean, they were, they learned gun safety. They learned how to clean guns. They, everything about them, there was never any fear of them because they had respect for them. And that to me was the best lesson you can teach them is that self protection is available. And they were learning as teenagers. So it isn't about the weapon. It isn't about the firearm. It's about the person that's holding it like anything else. It's not about the vehicle. It's about the drunk idiot that gets behind the wheel. Let's focus on how we stop those people. How do we stop people with guns that shouldn't have them? The Phoenix PD's found a way to investigate this, and they've taken over 1,200 guns off the streets. They're to be congratulated, and it's a program that should be modeled all over the country. Coming up in a moment, uh, Matt Salmon, former member of Congress, former gubernatorial candidate, joins me. We're going to talk about DACA. We're going to talk about a couple of other things in the next 30 minutes of the show. Should be an interesting conversation. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, it's a topic that I've talked about quite a bit. The Dreamers, the DACA, it, it's been ended by a federal judge. We'll find out what's coming next. But joining me in studio, it, I don't think we've talked really, uh, certainly not on the air since you uh, dropped out of the race, but Matt Salmon. Yeah. Uh, it's, good to, it's good to be here. It's Mike, it's great to be here, too. Yeah. So let's, uh, it's good to have you here on the show. Let's talk for a minute just before we get into any details of anything else. Uh, since dropping out of the race and you're watching the landscape politically across the country, having been a member of Congress two different times, right. what's happening nationally? I mean, what do you see happening nationally? Well, I think that nationally with the Republican Party, uh, you know, Trump had a, a, an amazing impact all across the country. Uh, you know, here in Arizona, Virtually every statewide candidate uh, that won uh, were people that Trump supported and endorsed. Uh, you know, they're in some of the most contested states that are going to determine whether or not the uh, Republicans take over the Senate. You know, like uh, uh, Dr. Oz, mm-hmm. um, he was endorsed by Trump um, in uh, uh, Ohio. Uh, another one, J.D. Vance, uh, was endorsed by Trump. And so it'll be a really interesting test. The thing is, typically in the off election year, uh, from the presidential election, the opposite party of the White House always has dramatic pickups. Always. That's just a historical trend. And so the expectation with that alone uh, is that Republicans will have great gains all across the country. Uh, but adding to that is the fact that Joe Biden, uh, you know, from Afghanistan to, you know, the war with uh, Ukraine uh, and Russia to uh, the inflation here in this country, gas prices, the Republicans are expecting to have a really big victory. The big bugaboo 
the wrench and you know, monkey wrench uh, is uh, you know what's going to happen because of the abortion ruling mm-hmm. uh, from the Supreme Court. That's kind of changed a few things, and Biden's approval numbers have gone up. Yeah, in they the have. last while, and so with all of these things, uh, it's going to be a really, really, really interesting election. So let's talk about. Let's go back to your first stint. In the House. Right. When you were there, uh, Gingrich was the Speaker of the House, contract Correct. with America. Right. Um, what about now? Is this commitment to America? I think yeah, it's commitment being to America. And, and I honestly really applaud them for this. Uh, you know, I was, I was one of the people that got elected during the contract with America, and there were 10 things uh, that we said that we were going to vote on where we elected the Congress. One of them was one of the ideas I believe so much, and I actually uh, term limited myself. And that was one of the issues. Uh, proxy voting was one of the things. There was a whole bunch of things, but I truly do believe that it's a smart idea to show people. You, you've said this over and over and over again. It's about the policy, and that's all that matters. It isn't about the personality. Is this somebody I'd want to go to a movie or have a beer with? This is about policy for this country and and uh, going forward, and that's what we ought to be focused on. Would the re- that's why I love the idea. Would the leadership in the Republican caucus be able to get that done? Oh, I think they can. Um, um, you know, uh, and again, uh, they're not going to be able to commit to getting it uh, signed by Biden because I don't think that uh, regardless of the kind of victory they have, I don't think they'll have a veto proof majority in both houses. In fact, most people are speculating that Republicans will definitely win the House, but the Senate's on the bubble. Yeah, Could go either way. I mean, that's that seems from where it looked what it looked like early. It looked like both chambers were going to flip pretty easily. Right. And now it's a toss up in the Senate. And, and now it's a toss up in the Senate because, uh, you know, some of these uh, races, you know, we're defending uh, in Wisconsin. Ron Johnson has got a tough election. He looks like he's doing a lot better. J.D. Vance is looking pretty strong in Ohio. Oz, you know, had the well, I, I, I hate saying it this way, but the good fortune, you know, his opponent had a stroke yeah. uh, during the election and, you know, can't. You can't debate, can't get out there and, and uh, articulate his position. So all of these things are going to play in. Uh, Laxall in, uh, in uh, uh, Nevada, um, you know, and, and then here, Blake Masters uh, against Mark Kelly. How, how important is that debate tonight? Oh, it's very crucial. For, right? uh, because who is it more important to? It's a lot more important for Blake Masters uh, because he's been trailing in all of the polls uh, by anywhere from five to ten points uh, since the primary election. Uh, Kelly has, you know, dwarfed him uh, with the money that he's been able to raise uh, when uh, Blake, uh, you know, came through the primary uh, with, with basically nothing on hand because he spent everything to win the primary. Uh, I, I believe. At that time, Kelly was sitting on like $25 million. And, you know, he's got to do well tonight. This is do or die for him tonight. All right, a quick programming <laughs> note. Beginning at noon today at 12.15 to 2 o'clock, we're going to have an election special here on KTAR hosted by Barry Markson. Then we are going to carry the debate live tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. And then 7 to 8, uh, the Arizona votes. Uh, there is going to be an election special hosted by Markson again. So we're going to cover this very, very well here at KTAR News. Um 
Let's talk about this DACA ruling. Um, President Bush has, former President Bush uh, W, has said that one of his biggest regrets was not getting comprehensive immigration reform done. How big of a deal is it that that didn't happen at that time? Now when you see what's happening with the Dreamers and the border issues now. Uh, oh, Mike, it's it's beyond cataclysmic. I mean, with what you said, the two million encounters uh, that happened last year, the fentanyl, 92% of the illegal fentanyl that's killing you know, our kids is coming across the border. Uh, and that could have been mitigated uh, during W's time as president with a comprehensive immigration reform bill. There were, have been opportunities time and time again to fix DACA, to get a guest worker program, uh, to beef up our border security. And when you talk with our border secure, uh, our border agents, uh, both in ICE and in, and in uh, CBP, uh, they will tell you over and over, it's not about more resources, even about more people. It's about the policy mm-hmm. and the policy sucks. And the fact is uh, we need to have better enforcement at the borders, but the only way that you can get some kind of a grand deal is to deal with, uh, you know, the the uh, guest worker type program and the DACA situation. And, you know, Trump almost had a deal on that right? Uh, with both of those things and uh, getting the wall finished. And it is something that both sides are just going to have to say, you know what? This is such an important issue to this country that w- we should we should all agree uh, that it's, it's time to bite the bullet and come together and resolve immigration uh, in this country and at the same time beef up border security and finish the wall. All right, so stick around for a minute because I'm going to have uh, – Matt's going to stick with me for another segment. I want to talk uh, to Matt about this fight because what's it like to try to get something done when you know that it's got such political views at a time where your base doesn't want you to work with the opposite side of the aisle? We're going to get to that coming up here in just one moment. values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Joining me in studio, former Congressman Matt Salmon. Um, uh, what are you up to now? Before we get to this next question, I didn't even ask you this at the beginning. What are you doing now? Actually, I'm helping the Arizona Chamber of Commerce. Um, I was just back in Washington, D.C. trying to help them out. They're pretty frustrated with the U.S. Chamber that they feel has gone woke. And uh, a lot of the Republicans in uh, uh, in Congress, the leaders, are really, really frustrated because they feel like the, uh, the, the U.S. Chamber isn't really focusing on business issues like they should, but woke issues. And, and, wh- so, and so this state chamber has basically contracted with me uh, to really focus on business issues with them, with the state chamber. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think, you know, Danny Seiden taking over over there right. at, at, at the chamber has been a part of this. But going back to Glenn Hammer when he was running the chamber, they've done a great job at what they're supposed to do, which is business. Right. And partnering with the governor and the state legislature right. and not partisan ways. They are nonpartisan. No, they aren't. But they are focused on intentional growth and how great that's been for Arizona. They're, they're, they're focused on what it takes to have business succeed, and that's low taxes and low regulation. I mean, really, that's all. And and they're focused on education and pipeline, bringing, bringing good people into their companies. The differences we've seen in Arizona, the dramatic changes in the diversity of our economy in the Ducey administration with the legislatures that have been there, but also with places like the chamber being a part of that and enticing business and industry to come here. They've done a great job. Fantastic job. They really have. 
And it's it's something that is going to be that's I think that's going to be the legacy moving forward of Arizona, that this is a destination for people because of what it is now and what it's going to be. We've benefited immensely uh, at California's demise. I mean, we really have. We've become a destination spot. And then when during the Trump administration, when he really uh, pressured uh, a Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company, TSMC, uh, to try to find uh, a, a place to manufacture onshore, they ended up picking Arizona. Arizona is going to be the hub, one of the national hubs for both semiconductor research as well as manufacturing, and it's going to be a godsend for us. I mean, it's going to be something that's really going to benefit our economy in a big way with great paying jobs. So uh, let's shift back to the topic before, because when we went to commercial break, we were talking about um, uh, the Dreamers and what happened with this federal judge. But you have been a part on a number of occasions of that wrestling match in Congress trying to get something done at the border. Right. Is it possible? Because it seems like neither party wants to give enough uh, to satisfy the other on border security from one side and immigration reform on the other. Well, and I, I told you this off air, but uh, in uh, the second time I went back to Congress in uh, 2012, we really had a deal, a bipartisan deal to beef up the border security, to do the wall and to uh, allow people to work in this country without being sent back like on a guest worker program and fix the DACA program. We, we had a deal to do all of it. The person that killed it was Obama. And he came in because he did not want Republicans to get the credit. And that's what's so insidious and so sad about this is that you've got people that don't want to resolve issues because it's about money. It's about campaigns. And it's uh, it, it's really not about fixing the problem. And it's sad. Do you think some – and I'm not – I think the awareness that's been raised by what Abbott and Ducey have done and, and DeSantis to a certain level. Very smart. Okay, has raised awareness. Do you believe awareness of not only what's happening with people at the border, but fentanyl coming in across the border? Do you think it's time now maybe where the citizenry, both sides of the aisle, go after their members of Congress and say it's time to deal? More than ever. I mean, it is it is the most complex and vexing issue I think of our day and and especially here in Arizona the border is just screwed up and I do believe that we could come together with both sides of the aisle and finish the wall beef up our border security and at the same time get a guest worker program and fix DACA and it's a win-win-win why can't we get back to that in this country we've got to even before it gotten it has gotten as bad as it is now it was all it's always been bad right when you would take other members of Congress uh, to here when you bring them to Arizona to the border what reaction when they finally saw with their own eyes what would they do well, they'd be shocked right? because they thought that we were just using hyperbole to say it's so bad. But when they actually saw how bad it really was, um, I, I, I don't think they believed it when we debated it on the floor. When they came and actually saw it, it opened their eyes. Well, um, I love having you in studio. And just to let everybody know, um, I'm going to be taking a day off pretty soon. And I think you're going to jump in and host the show. I am. I'm really excited about I, doing I, it. I, I, am, I have big, big, big shoes to fill. Right. But uh, right. I'll, I'll work at it. <laughs> you have a vocabulary. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> to take my place. So Matt Salmon is going to be uh, jumping in for me in about a week or so. Um, but uh, thanks for coming in and thanks, thanks for sitting in with us. And it is uh, this is a topic that needs to be handled. I've been harping on this for such a long time and now has got to be the time. You've got the dreamers. Now DACA is going to be defeated and so something has to be done. Can the B- Biden administration do something with an executive order? Possibly, but that's temporary. There needs to be legislation. Mike, Mike, Mike the, that's the reason that's the reason that the federal judge stepped in. 
they can't do it through an executive order. That is unconstitutional. Right. All uh, this kind of work has to be done by Congress. That's spelled out in the Constitution. That's see, there's the guy with the expert. Thanks again, Matt. And uh, coming up in a minute, here's what we're going to do coming up just after 10 o'clock. We are going to talk about an unlikely source for oil. All that's happening in just a few moments. 